Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 82 for Monday, March 30th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but of course you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. It's a kind of, you know, subpar day in terms of <laughs> the, the the sun is shining, but kind of, and uh, we are here to talk about Minecraft once again. If you want to hear more about the weather, uh, along with a bunch of other more interesting stuff, we've been talking about, uh, you know, World of Warcraft lore, D&D stuff once again, and all kinds of other things in between, you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of The Spawn Chunks, which you can get at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the spawn chunks patrons get access to this and every week you get to hear a little bit of extra chat from joel and myself not always related to minecraft but sometimes we find ways to tie it in today though fantasy lore and kind of that kind of stuff which uh, as somebody who's been building mountains in my world for a while always cool to hear some creation myths from various things out there uh you, you're working on some fairly mythical creations yourself judging by the screenshots <laughs> i've been given those towers are looking <laughs> looking pretty towering i have to say Thanks. Yeah, they are not mountains. Uh, they're pretty straight. They're pretty white. But uh, I've been enjoying uh, working in the city the last couple weekends and uh, progress is being made. It's slow. I uh, took some time away from the white concrete uh, texture uh, to add some texture to a path in the city garden park that Cosmic built. Uh, required some uh, TLC on the path uh, had to be connected to some of my builds. So like I kind of took her build and blended them into mine. I always find that really satisfying and fun where I didn't have to make the park. Somebody else made the park and I'm just being asked to just like, you know, connect it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a fun challenge because you've got someone's build style that exists and then you have to take yours and your build and try to mesh them together. Um, one of the things that we knew it needed was lights. And so a tricky situation trying to do, do modern light fixtures in yeah. minecraft for street designs there's very there's a few that work but you don't have a lot of options however in a city park the new minecraft lantern is wonderful because even in modern cities very often you will find the design of a sidewalk lamp in a park to be much like a victorian thing that used to have a candle in it but now it has a light bulb yes uh, so so a lantern is indiscernible <laughs> from from that kind of design uh and i wanted more greenery so i uh, was getting some inspiration from uh pinterest which by the way as per whips uh recommendation a uh, great way to look up different stuff and get not only minecraft build ideas but also like real world examples of like modern street lights and stuff yeah yeah definitely and and so especially when you're like living in north america and you see like what a street light might look like in i don't know norway or ireland like so older parts of the world but then also places that have more modern design aesthetics as well and so you can really say okay not every street light looks like street lights around here in north america like you can really get some different ideas so uh we designed these um lights on stream uh, and this is i want to i want to highlight this two streams each of which are three hours plus and the only thing accomplished was texturing a path and building streetlights. <laughs> that is and how this... chill the streams get, friends. We yeah. are sub-zero at this point, yeah. And, and in the second stream, the only thing that happened was framing out a new building. Not mm -hmm. building it, not colors decided, not netherrack framing. <laughs> That's yeah. all that happened. Uh, but I've, I've received some compliments on it. And I think that it's good to remind everyone that when you're watching YouTube videos where there are cuts that, you know, span three or four hours of gameplay, when you turn into a stream and you watch somebody plan something out for three hours and realize, oh, wow, okay, I don't feel so slow because I'm watching this person take an eon to do this. Um, 
I got a nice reminder when I was watching uh, Cubpan do his stream, and he was, I can't remember what he was doing. He was doing some mining, but like it was an hour. It was an hour of him mining, and like he did it, and it, it didn't feel like that long to me, but you realize that, well, that's why they have that many resources. You know, that's why they have all that stuff. And so do it going through the creative process of these texture bits and, and trying to explain my process to what I was going to do, either the 70-30 rule that I've talked about here in the podcast before. I pushed it with the park path. I went with like an 80-20. Mm -hmm. uh, I really wanted to just have just the edges, like just where the path touched the grass is where I added texture. Everything in the middle is pretty standard. Um, struggling with some, trying to find some lighter blocks. You know, I still find everything in Minecraft is that medium gray. Yeah. Um, I did manage to get some, some um, polished smooth stone in there, which I think is really cool, which by the way is a fun block now with um, when you connect it to regular smooth stone, um, the edge of it disappears. So if you just have one and they're not connected and you don't get that grid pattern, just one appears to be smaller than a block because the outside pixel edge is the same color as stone. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it completely yeah. disappears. It looks like a smaller stone, so it does add a little bit of variety, uh, a little bit of a stretch of the imagination, but it, it works. Um, and then on the framing part, I had some feedback from my Discord, which I thought was really nice, and that people were struggling with, you know, um, scale and how to plan things out. And we've got an email about that this week, so I'll, I'll, I'll not get too into this right now. But going watching the process of me, even though it was a long stream and visually we really didn't accomplish much it just looks like a netherrack frame but a lot of the measurements were done we planned out where the elevators are going to be i planned the inside someone in chat suggested a restaurant on the second level which i never would have thought of um all of this kind of stuff and that that kind of planning it's kind of one of the reasons why builds that i'm making right now a takes so long and b go smoothly in the long run and it's because you take that three to four hours to just think about it and try to measure stuff out and use something very easy to remove like netherrack and just like put up a frame and realize, well, that's the right height, but it's the wrong shape. Uh, or I want to make a pinnacle tower, not a, you know, business high rise. And so you can change things quite quickly and going through that process. Um, people thought it was, they've, I found some people thought, thought, thought it was educational, which I thought was cool. It was a nice compliment because I was really the last couple streams going through like my design process. Whereas if you had watched me last weekend doing the, the building, um, the building was done. And I was basically just repeating balconies, you know, like, you know, yeah. six blocks up, do the balcony, six blocks up, do the balcony, fill in this, do the elevator. We were just making some progress, but not a lot of design decisions. And I feel like this one was one of those things where like you got the end part where I was doing a lot of texturing and then you get the beginning part where like, it doesn't even look like anything. It's just, I'm putting placeholders in, in the air. We did try to get um, a bit of stuff done at the end. I wanted it to not be a white building and I didn't want to make it stone either because the sidewalk is stone. And I wanted a big key um, visual element on like one third of the building. I wanted a big blue kind of like thing because it's is re really near the ocean. And I like that design in buildings where they just have like a big kind of like cross section. And then I thought, oh, smooth sandstone is a new thing. I'll use that. Immediately realized it looks like an Ikea. And now, <laughs> yeah. I, now, I, can't, now I can't do the smooth sandstone. So I'm struggling to find a light gray block that doesn't have edges to it to 
apply to this build. I tried light gray concrete and even that's still too dark. It doesn't look good with the blue. Mm. So I'm trying to sort out what to do. I might end up having to go with white. I don't want to have all of my buildings in the city be white, but it's it seems to be the most neutral block. And when you do look up modern city designs, like not Minecraft, but like actual architecture, there's a lot of white buildings out there. That or they're like black and brown. Like the modern stuff is either like really dark or really light, and there's nothing really in between. Yeah, it's a shame a lot. So much modern architecture is also like veneered, if not completely made of glass, and there is so mm -hmm. little flexibility to glass in Minecraft when you're yeah. building on a smaller scale, especially. I think once you start building larger, if you're building something that's like, you know, one of the more architectural skyscrapers from say the london skyline for example there is what's colloquially called the gherkin which is basically like a giant almost cigar shaped tower that's sort of yeah like an oval kind of style right. thing for, if, if you're looking at it from the side um and you can't really build something like that in minecraft on a small scale because glass just looks so blocky up close and adding glass yeah. panes does not really help all that much because it just adds like a sub block level square line to things um mm -hmm. at, but but then once you start building a little bit bigger and looking at things from further away especially you can start to use stuff like that but really glass is relatively limited because you cannot have curves or slopes of it it can only be flat and yeah that's that's unfortunate when it comes to building modern stuff where so much of it if you want to add in some variation has to have some curvature to the glass in some areas so it's it's tricky to work that in and then the rest of the time, you just have to frame a building out in something that's a, a fairly neutral type of material, which is, like you said, kind of tough to find. Yeah, and I, I, I'm more, the more and more, I know I've been repeating it on this podcast a lot, but I am running into the lack of dark gray, but not black, yep. and light gray, but not white. And yes. I, I, that are neutral. Um, I, I find it tricky. One thing I did think of was um, building um, the new building in quartz expensive because <laughs> yeah. these are not small builds but we do have quartz available for trade with villagers now like so it's not it's not it's not something i'd have to grind i could do an automatic carrot farm or something and then you know i've always wanted to actually do a raid farm i haven't tried one of those yet so there are some ideas that just more gameplay but at the same time one of the reactions to that was but i have so much concrete now <laughs> Yes, like, exactly. I, like, I kind of want to build it now. I don't necessarily want to go gather all that quartz, but it's possible if I really want to. So it is one of those things where, I, unfortunately, I think I'm stuck and I have to go into a creative world and just build like a single floor just to kind of get the color combos. Um, doing the color combos on stream was just, it's a lot of up and down. <laughs> yeah. Climb the ladder, change the build, go down the ladder, look at it. Like it just, it's a lot of back and forth. It's something um, I need to do more really is go into creative and plan stuff because I feel like from a time management perspective, kind of like yeah. what you were saying with the framing out of everything, if you're not winging it constantly, you're going to get stuff done faster because you have a plan. Whereas if you are working from purely survival you might think, oh, I'm not wasting my time going into creative and just doodling stuff. But then at the same time, you're not going in with a plan. You're probably spending about as much time as you would spend in creative, just standing back, looking at it and thinking, what do I do next? So yeah. there's a there's a trade-off there that I have yet to accept. And it's not really applicable to the stuff that I'm building right now, uh, because building this entire mountain in creative would be futile because I can't necessarily go by and reproduce it block for block. 
and it would mm. take me as much time in creative because I'm still hand placing everything. Uh, maybe if I had some some tool assistance there from you know uh, any of the world edit or something like that that I could I could use, then maybe I'd be able to shape stuff out a little bit more. But then I would still end up going into survival and placing everything by hand anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll man. I'm looking at the screenshot you sent me. Boy, howdy, have you made some progress. It looks phenomenal. And I think it looks even better now we've got the ability to add shaders, which we'll cover again in the news when we talk about Optifine. But yeah, I've I've got to the point now where I think I am roughly 90% of the way there. I think two more streams, maybe three at the outside, depending on how long the streams are. And I think I will have the entire thing enclosed in stone. After that, I still have a lot of detail to do <laughs> because mm. it turns out that just building giant hunks of stone is not enough. They have to look nice. And so uh, I, I've obviously done one of the smaller mountains. I kind of did a test thing, which we have a, a screenshot of in the show notes where I've covered the peak of it with snow, which immediately changes everything about the build. If it's been stone up until that point and then you put snow on the top and start to uh, dither it a little bit as it comes down the mountain, start to break it apart and show some of the stone from underneath immediately adds character then i have little bits and pieces of like trees here and there just on a couple of rocky outcroppings that are covered in dirt and the way snow and dirt interact in minecraft is both good and frustrating to me because when you've got one layer of snow on top of a dirt block it remains grass and it becomes snow covered grass so the snow texture starts to overlap on the side of it when you put more than one layer on there it goes oh okay this is now covered the grass disappears because it's got no light getting to it and then the block underneath reverts back to dirt so if you want to use more than one snow layer it better be a full block at that point because there's no difference uh for keeping the grass and that's a little bit of a frustration for me because mm. where i want to use that like dirt but also snow kind of transition i have to only use one snow layer which is yeah a bit of a pain but i'm, I'm working on the aesthetic of these things and after I finish the complete stone facade of these mountains, I'm going to go back through with snow, which I'm going to have to farm a whole lot of, uh, trying to work out how to make a more efficient snow farm, kind of tearing my hair out doing that. But um, yeah, we have we have snow going in on the peaks and probably bunching up around the edges of the mountains as well, shallowing some of the more steep slopes and providing some areas where it looks like snow has just kind of piled up. And then I'm going to go back through with, uh, once again, FWIP recommended materials here, uh, probably some cyan terracotta and some gray, uh, some dark gray concrete powder, and just kind of pepper in a little bit more texture into these things, maybe turn some mm. of the shadowier sections into actual shadows built with blocks. Um, and, and that way it can still look good, even if there is not the shader lighting effects going on at the same time. But man... Having Optifine now and having access to shaders again is is something I've been looking forward to simply because I wanted to see how these things looked with those effects applied. And it's it's making me very happy looking at this stuff. I think it looks good even in vanilla, but in the interim right now, just seeing a giant, you know, wall of sun on one side of the mountain and the shadows it casts elsewhere is is a very gratifying thing. And I've taken some some kind of pretty screenshots, which hopefully folks will enjoy if you check out the show notes this week. Yeah, I I hear you on the Optifine thing. Like I'm just I'm on the edge of my seat um, for for those kind of features because I 
I've been thinking about the same thing with my modern city about wow, how is this gonna look when I've got shaders available? Yeah. Because I mean, some of my builds before were cool, but then when I looked at them, the shaders like, oh wow, okay, this this wheat field, which is so much simpler than the city, looks fantastic with shaders on, and yeah. just to have like the shadow of a building being cast across the street, and because some of the things I'm trying to design with that modern city is how light hits the ground, and I can't do that. <laughs> until yeah. i know where the shadows are falling yeah uh, so and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i'm not the kind of person who likes to play with shaders the entire time like i put i'll put them on for time lapses mm. when i want things to look more cinematic i'll take screenshots with them definitely because yeah you want like the the realism of there being kind of real looking clouds in the sky and that stuff and it saves you from just going through and adding that stuff in photoshop <laughs> um one thing i really like about silda's vibrant shaders is the depth of field options that they have which even with the size of these mountains, unfortunately, I've been running into a problem where the, the length, the, the depth of field can give you is still not enough for it to take in the entirety of one of these mountains. The blocks at the top are still far enough away from the blocks at the bottom that one of them will be slightly out of focus. But it allows mm. me to kind of blur the background and give the impression that it's being taken with a, a longer lens, something with a kind of deeper nice. focal length and... Yeah, I, I'm able to kind of blur the stuff in the background that in one of these screenshots, especially you can see, really isn't all that complete and try and make people's attention focus on the stuff in the foreground a little bit more. Nice. I, li I like the control that Optifine gives you with um, with uh, atmospheric perspective as well, like fog and that kind of stuff. It, yeah. That to me, I find helps with builds that are that are vertical because it, it, it can make the top feel farther away than the bottom. Yes. Then is really possible in minecraft like well you've mentioned it on the show before where you like you can't quite get these things to build limit like they're only 250 meter mountains which is tiny in real life but yes but they look big because of the way that you know you can get them to minecraft to to look at them and i've got some thoughts on optifine too that i'm going to save for our, our news discussion uh, but speaking of uh we have a new snapshot so there's lots to talk about this week minecraft snapshot 20w 13a slash 13b was released a 13b was simply some bug fixes around dying and respawning that would have prevented players from playtesting the snapshot properly. So uh, the uh, the note at the top of the snapshot 13a was, ever felt that you want to take a ride across fields of lava? Yeah, me too. This snapshot introduces the adorable question mark strider. Uh, it might need some help with directions. New features, added the lodestone, added the strider, a mob. Basalt is formed when lava flows over soul soil when the lava is next to blue ice. Farmer villagers can now compost seeds and collect bone meal. The lodestone is a block that can help you get your bearings. Crafted from one netherite ingot and eight chiseled stone bricks, use a compass on a lodestone to create a lodestone compass that will point towards that lodestone. And I want to point out that lodestone is L-O-D-E stone. Uh, I misheard it one time and I wasn't sure what people were talking about. Once I saw it spelled, I knew what it was. Uh, the Strider is a new bob that lives in the lava lakes of the nether. Striders can walk on the sur surface of lava without getting burned. They can be saddled, but they will have a will of their own. You can control which direction they'd like to go with a new item, Warped Fungus, on a stick. Farmer villagers can now put excess seeds in a composter to create bone meal. Bone meal can be used by the farmers to grow crops. Farmers share excess wheat with other farmers, allowing more farmers to make bread technical changes in this snapshot you are now more likely to get soul speed books and boots from bartering with piglins you can now charge and respawn a respawn anchor using a dispenser with glowstone inside 
and a fishing location is now considered to be open water if the fishing hook is in water. There are no blocks besides lily pads above water and all water blocks are source blocks with no solid underwater blocks around. Basically making sure that AFK fish farms are not happening. <laughs> yeah, do doubling down on the uh, the fixes yeah. to AFK fish farms, yeah. There are a lot of fixes uh, in this as far as bugs goes. We'll have a link to the uh, minecraft.net notes uh, in our show notes for this podcast. But fixed bugs of note are warped fences and crimson fences don't connect with other fences. They now will. Arrows are floating in midair after being pushed by a piston. They will now be affected by gravity. Minecarts can no longer eject entities into an open trap door. Uh, this is something that has been fixed. Arrow physics don't work correctly when a target uh when in a target that block that is moved uh, that's been fixed respawn anchors use a charge after leaving the end dimension through the end portal uh, that's been fixed and villagers are generated very rarely in villages you should see them appearing more readily now um the other uh, bit of information we had of course over the week minecraft dungeon beta invites were out select minecraft dungeons beta invites were sent out several uh, prominent minecraft youtubers that i saw uh minecraft dungeon streams last week from to name a few doc m tango and zf and cub and 135 as well as i believe um not stress who was um false symmetry was also streaming um minecraft dungeon so if you want to look at minecraft dungeons gameplay you can go check that out and last but not least optifine for 115.2 is at 99.1 percent done <laughs> shader support is included with this release which is the pre-release 10 old shaders are still mostly compatible but shader creators are releasing new versions to um, work with the new version of optifine yeah uh, and that's it that's the news and i say that's it that's a lot of news so uh, absolutely wh where do you want to start uh, i guess we could want us to work backwards and just kind of like get the optifine and the minecraft dungeons out of the Way. yeah let's start with optifine um i'm now using the most recent version of the silders shaders which was basically released more or less straight away um but yeah I, i've used a couple of my older shader packs they seem to work pretty well really glad that shader support is now being added in and i feel like that was a major milestone for a lot of people there are still a few features that they are looking to add hence the 99.1 percent Looking at the progress report on Reddit, uh, anti-aliasing, anisotropic filtering, rendering regions, and forge compatibility, for those of you who play modded Minecraft and use forge, are still not working, and so that is probably why they haven't pushed a full release yet. Uh, but obviously a lot of people were anxious to get shaders back in play, so it's, it's very cool to see that being done. And once again, props to the Optifine developer uh, for... Uh, working on this so tirelessly over the last little while i can't imagine it's been easy working with all of these new changes to uh to the rendering engine and everything but hopefully from now on it should be business as usual and we hope that uh 1.16 doesn't come too soon if that means just you know this whole process starting again basically it's it's always mm. one of those tricky times when uh optifine takes a while to come out and then a new update is on the horizon almost immediately well, and I think the jump from 115.2 to 116 would be less of a leap, too. Yes, so if we, the render may, engine yeah. mostly remains the same, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am having some very interesting problems with Optifine. Uh, while 90-90% done, I'm not seeing better performance. I'm seeing worse performance on my PC uh, when I'm playing Java Minecraft, and I don't know why. Uh, I think there are a number of other factors. I'm not necessarily saying that Optifine is, is not working. I'm saying that on my particular setup, I'm having a lot of struggles um that said 
I want to point out that a bug report that has a video of what I'm experiencing that I've been finding it very difficult to communicate to people is uh, MC135666, strange motion blurring that's not visible on screen sharing or recording. And so I haven't checked it myself because I haven't had time, but my stream was not able to see what I was seeing when I was experiencing these blurry bugs looking left and right. It's not VSync. Uh, there's a lot of standard troubleshooting that I went through and that's not working at all. Um, it seems to be something, it's something very subtle, but it's like instant headache inducing. Uh, it, it reminds me of the bug that I had to deal with in 14.1, 114.1, when I couldn't play on my Mac for a couple of weeks because it was just, it was horrible <clears throat> in terms of the visual uh, problems it would cause me. I'm having the same uh, issue, or I guess the same but different issue on Mac right now where I can't play 15.2 and I can't really test the snapshots to play on the Mac because I find that the screen stuttering is even worse on the snapshot. So um, with Optifine, I am unfortunately not able to test the shaders um, right now, which, which is frustrating. The, um, the, the PC version right now, I can't even use shaders because I cannot turn off anti-aliasing on my Minecraft install. I mm. don't know why. I've tried everything. I've tried editing the options fi uh, text file. I've tried, um, I've tried going into Minecraft and trying to control that. I've tried my NVIDIA control panel settings for people wondering I'm running uh, a GTX um, 1660 Ti. I'm kind of at my wit's end. Spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. I would love for anybody that is experiencing any kind of NVIDIA Minecraft frustrations to... Um, share them with me so I can also then share them with listeners of the podcast because I found troubleshooting this online a needle in a haystack. It's been so frustrated to try to narrow this down and it's become an, a real issue because now when I'm streaming, like I get maybe three hours and I, I have to stop because I'm basically dizzy yeah. uh, because of the visual glitches that are, are you know happening. So um, I can't be alone in this. I think there are other players that are out there experiencing this. Um, so I'm hoping to help everybody out. So spawnchuckmail at gmail.com if you know what's up, uh, specifically with uh, NVIDIA and PC. I figured the Mac thing is is a Mac thing, and it's it's something that hopefully Moyang is aware of, and I've made a bug for that myself. But it's, it's the PC part of it that I find very frustrating because it was working. It was working not a month ago, like everything was fine. So um, I'm not really sure w what's up and what factors, you know, are, are going to be an issue for me to troubleshoot. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I stand on, on Optifine. Uh, moving on to something way more fun. Wow, do I want to play Minecraft Dungeons? Yeah, I've been I've been following a couple of people playing it. Um, basically, half of the Hermitcraft whitelist has had access to it. So uh, videos have been popping up. I've seen um, Wells Knight and XB Crafted to add to the list that you mentioned earlier have been playing it and also uh, a guy i follow called brown man who is formerly of the achievement hunter group his real name is ray um and he's been streaming it uh, if you check him out fair warning he uh, uses a lot of adult language but uh he is uh <laughs> having come from achievement hunter where they played minecraft on a weekly basis he got really bored of vanilla minecraft um through there and kind of has a reputation for disliking minecraft he loves Minecraft Dungeons, which is really cool to me to see this because uh, obviously it's a very different type of game. It's just using the visual language of Minecraft, the kind of blocks and characters that you're used to in villages and pillages and that kind of stuff to um, to tell this story. 
but the gameplay is very much more his speed. It's a fun dungeon crawler, it's got a lot of elements of what he calls it basically baby's first Diablo, and it is kind of that way. It, it feels a lot like people are, they're, they're making homage to dungeon crawlers, this is no secret at this point, but also they're making it accessible to people who have either, you know, played Minecraft a lot more or are really just used to the visual style of Minecraft and used to, I think, maybe a, a slightly more cartoonish form of gameplay. It's it's a lot less kind of demonic kind of symbolism, I suppose, than stuff like Diablo is. And it gives you a lot of cartoon fun. And it, it does seem like a very, uh, a very satisfying gameplay loop to me. There's a lot of loot to be had. There's a lot of variety in how you can enchant your weapons and how you can level stuff up. You unlock a blacksmith that can give you more weapons on a kind of random roll, so you're sort of randomly and sort of specifically getting gear that will help you out. And there are multiple difficulty settings for the individual levels, which I really like. Um, so this And is... that's where I had some questions, because I was yeah. watching mostly... And I say watching, I was mostly listening and looking over only when something interesting was being talked about, because I didn't want to spoil the first few levels for myself. Like, I, I was kind of on the fence of whether I wanted to tune in and watch this stuff, because some of the players were like ripping through content. I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch someone rip through the entire game in two hours. Like I yeah. kind of want to play it myself. So by listening and kind of look, looking over when something interesting was happening, um, I found that uh, it sounds like there's like a bit of a player lobby where like after you start to collect some of these like, you know, blacksmiths and things. So you can kind of like change your loadout before you go into a level, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. There's a kind of um, base camp uh, village yeah. layout that you use. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, I saw the difficulty levels and I wasn't sure whether you could set this from the beginning or whether you have to go through and complete the level first before you can change the difficulty level. Because my one criticism that I would say from watching um, as much gameplay as I did, it felt really easy. Yes. Uh, again, specifically just referencing Cub Fan because he was the one person I watched the most of. Um, not, not a dungeon crawler player. Like he's new to this kind of gameplay. And he was basically just one-shotting zombie, zombies. It didn't, they didn't feel threatening. It just kind of felt like click spam. Not necessarily in a bad way for the player, but so I don't know. I'm not playing it. So it could have been very satisfying to do that. From watching it though, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like much new. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, they're easier zombies than even in game. Like when you first start off in Minecraft and a wood sword, I don't know how many hits it takes to kill a zombie, but it's not one, you know? Yeah, it's kind of I don't the, think op I the opposite way of difficulty scaling stuff where like you, yeah. you, you start off with bad gear and then stuff gets easier because right. it's, it's fairly linear in terms of the way enemies are in minecraft the the difficulty scales based on how much stuff spawns with enchanted gear and armor and that kind of stuff but you yeah. don't tend to see like harder versions of zombies appearing later whereas yeah. dungeons is kind of the almost the inverse in a way i feel like it scales a little bit better than combat does in minecraft and that's good because combat is the main thing in dungeons yeah um so yeah. I, I can illuminate a little bit of this from what i've seen for a start there are three difficulty settings for the overall game which you can choose at the beginning so you start off with like is this my first time am i more experienced uh. do i want the apocalypse however <laughs> I think I, I think the, the the last one is actually called apocalypse. Um, I think or apocalyptic. I think is the 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 term they're using. But I think you have to play through the game in the first difficulty. Like you're playing on normal to unlock hard, and then you're you you play through on hard to unlock apocalyptic. Basically, is how it works. Right. 
then individually for the different areas i think you can choose before you go in and uh okay. when i was i was watching ray play it there are three uh difficulty levels to choose from based on recommendations of like based on your player's power level at the time which is decided based on the right. average of all of the gear you're holding if you've got like a sword that has a level of like 10 but the rest of your gear is all still level one that'll probably average out to around four or five right um mm -hmm. and so as your power kind of levels up a little bit then i think it unlocks a few more difficulty options but there are always a couple available ahead of where you are so he started playing through the first level on one he was just killing everything in one hit one arrow was taking down skeletons and so forth so for the next dungeon he went through he upped it to the next difficulty level and he wasn't having a hard time but he's an experienced gamer and he's played stuff like this before it was clear that the game was either spawning more enemies or spawning them with armor and like there was slightly more advanced ai kicking in like the spiders who can web you to the ground to stop you from moving were kind of teaming up with some things that would then attack you from range so i think there is right. a little bit more sophistication to be found in those difficulty settings for players who are used to playing something a little bit more uh more kind of technical and you have dodge right. rolls and stuff like that so there are definitely ways that you can very easily avoid a lot of the enemy attacks but that'll become more and more difficult as more enemies start to surround you and you have to use AoE yeah. attacks and, and sweep attacks to get rid of them. And I, and I got that kind of feel as, as Cub went into different levels. I was watching like, you know, oh, there's a, a pushback thing where they can like slam the ground and push things back by a couple blocks. And, and they give you all those stats like in the description of the thing. It's like, oh, I've enchanted this uh, sword with this this specific enchant and it means that if i hit one enemy then it'll blast all other enemies back four blocks right so if you've got seven zombies around you that's useful yeah and that was where i when i just as soon as i thought mm, this feels kind of easy i also watched um the player turn around and be just like oh no whoa no 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 because there was like too many mobs to handle like one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one owning face but then when there's like five and they're all skeletons like oh wait a minute i don't have a ranged weapon or i have a ranged weapon i have four arrows like this is not this is not okay <laughs> uh and i and i think that that's kind of it might be part of the gameplay again not playing it firsthand it's hard to say to kind of like lull the player into a sense of security by like owning zombies with one hit but yeah. then what happens when you've got four zombies, three skeletons, and a spider? Like, is that bad news? Do we know? Like, do you go in there like, yes, this is going to be easy. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, and then I, th I think that could be kind of a fun push-pull. Um, do we know if the... I know the dungeons are... I don't want to say randomly generated, but they are... What's the word I'm looking for? Procedural. Procedural. Thank you. They are procedurally gener generated every time you go into a dungeon, which is fantastic. It's a lot of replayability. Uh, do we know if the surface level stuff is also the same? Because as if I have to play it to unlock the different difficulty levels, I don't necessarily want to walk through the exact same village four, five, six, seven times, just at different difficulty levels. If a, if the overworld also does the same thing as, as the dungeons do, then that's fine. Then that's great. Like, and I know that they mentioned in the uh, dungeon diaries that there are, familiar key aspects of a dungeon like this is the key room the key room is always going to look like the key room it might be in a different location you might not know where it is but you will recognize it when you get to it 
And if they do that with the above ground, like this is the village square, the village square is always going to look like the village square, but it may not necessarily be right next to the red forest. Maybe it's going to be on the other side of it. Maybe it's going to be to the north or the south. If they did that kind of stuff, I think then varying the difficulty levels would be would be more fun. But it looks really, really fun. It looks uh, like a great multiplayer experience. I'm looking forward to hopefully, knock on wood, I haven't even talked to you about this off mic, but like a uh, co-stream with this would be super fun Yeah, uh, to get you and I together and, and, and go through and, and play some dungeons. I think it would be really fun to talk to somebody else about it as you do it and like wonder at it. And um, I know everyone else is thinking the same thing uh golden leaves in minecraft please yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> wow yeah. wow is this game pretty i've already uh, seen it... so much stuff that i would love to have as like window oh. dressing for any minecraft build down to the fact that they have like actual realistic looking fences like fences yeah. that aren't just like one post every block and evenly spaced there's like fences that have a bit more kind of character to them and and vertical slats and stuff like that mm. around some of the kind of graveyard portions that are in the wooded sections are super great and there's tombstones that yeah look like tombstones instead of a cobblestone wall that you've placed in front of a patch of coarse dirt like it you know there's there's a lot of these detailed things that we know are not going to be added into the game they are really there just to make dungeons look like the game it deserves to look like oh but man yeah. also yeah there's there's so much stuff that i'm like yep i want to steal that for a texture pack now um, oh, yeah we'll see so we'll see we'll see it, how much people do that once the game is yeah. available more widely it, it it's it looks fantastic and i mean i know that i've, I've had a few i don't want to i want to say criticism i want to say questions and i think the questions stem from just watching somebody else play and not playing it yourself um but yeah it it looks great it looks like a lot of fun and i'm i'm very much looking forward to it Let's talk about the snapshot, because there is a lot of stuff happening in this one. Um, even though the feature list is relatively light, we've got some cool stuff to talk about. Uh, the Strider is probably the more controversial one, given that a lot of people either like or don't like the design. Some folks think it's ugly, some folks think it's incredibly cute. I think that's kind of what Mojang was pitching for, in a way. They put adorable question mark in the thing, so they were <laughs> like, we know that some people are going to find this a little bit strange. And I really like them personally yes. they they actually have personality unlike a nether boat which is what everybody was suggesting yep. for a while and i think this is really a key moment to recognize that mojang's inventiveness when it comes to adding new features to this game is really really great compared to the average player thinking oh i want a new ore block that you can find in the overworld and it's just another metal that comes into something then they have ancient debris which you can only find in the nether and you have to go mining for it, and the texture looks really cool and then it kind of implies so much about the world it is world building with the barest the lightest touch of creativity added into this game gives you a whole new perspective on things and the strider is like that for me um, I especially love everyone's interpretations through fan art, including the sum where the body is at the top, the legs extend about like 20 meters down from the tiny body at the top, and then they end in high-heeled boots, <laughs> which is really funny to me. <laughs> Just the way they the way they walk, they kind of like sway from side to side a little bit, and a lot of people are drawing them with high heels, and I kind of love that. It's kind of the best thing ever. Um, That's very funny. So, And this is something that I drew the conclusion immediately, and it's probably just because of my experiences as a designer and a cartoonist and an animator watching the strider walk across the lava very slowly mm -hmm. and the way that it did list from side to side to me visually indicated that it had long legs so when i was looking at it and it came out of the lava and it had little stubby legs i was like yeah. what 
That yeah. doesn't make any sense. And even something like a Strider, it makes you think of the ATST from Star Wars. It makes you think of the Land Strider from the Dark Crystal. Like these well, things all those, are those on crazy stilts. things from from Half Life. The new Half Life VR game came out recently, and I saw these oh, kind right. of enormous tripod things moving through the city with legs. War of the Worlds like, type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I will confess, as much as I like the Strider and I love the concept of it, I was a little disappointed that when it came out of the lava, it wasn't like taller than an Enderman. You don't take I don't... full damage jumping off of it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like I, I kind of wanted it to be just a little bit taller than an Enderman. Like yeah. not bigger, but just, just a little bit taller. Um, I thought that would have been cool. Or if it come, and I, I, but I can understand from a player design perspective, like a gameplay perspective, I don't necessarily want to, as a player, to be looking up at this thing because then I'm not going to think it's cute. Then I'm not I'm not necessarily going to be able to see it because I'm going to be looking up at its chin if it's five blocks tall. Yeah. So I understand why it's roughly a meter and a half tall, like a block and a half, and why it is the way that it is. But I kind of want it to like come out of the lava with long legs and then like an accordion muppet just kind of like was, whoop, go right say, down they, to like they player need to size. like telescope down don't they basically. Yeah. yeah 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 like give it give it legs like big bird you know like with the little rings and kind of like you know slinky style just kind of like go up and down and like warner brothers cartoon you know like spring boots or whatever anyway i i think they're great i love the noises that it made it was so frog-like it's yeah. like this mix between a frog a balding old man and I don't even know what else. Like a, a salamander? I don't yeah, know. They, it, they kind of look like axolotls with the kind of frills on them. That's and what it is. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, yes. And so pe people are saying like that, that the fact they've got this kind of stringy, like wispy hair, ears, feelers, whatever the things are <laughs> at the sides, um, that, that's kind of the explanation for them dropping string when they are killed. Yes. And folks have also pointed out that explains how the piglins have crossbows because there's no way of getting string in the nether aside from that and uh it is possible that they could have killed some striders or harvested their hair somehow to make crossbow strings so that's how come they have those as as weapons um, and that leads me to a question we know that the piglins are aggressive towards uh hoglins are they aggressive towards striders i have not seen that and i don't think they plan to be maybe because the hoglins aren't really a source of like they're not a play amount which the strider would be so imagining right. them emerging from yeah. lava just to have a piglin immediately shoot you off the strider is kind of annoying yeah um, not to mention the fact that you'd have to be wearing gold armor to I, I, I've, I've tried a couple of times in the snapshots i put myself in survival just to see how getting on and off the strider worked in survival and a piglin mm. killed me just because i wasn't wearing gold at the time because i had no equipment um so yeah it's it's a little bit odd but i don't think the piglins necessarily hunt down the striders in the same way they do hoglins yeah no it's it, anyway it's a really it's a really cool mob it's 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 gonna be interesting to see how useful it is it's gonna be useful early game i don't sure how many people are gonna use it late game but i don't know if you've got a huge lava lake and you don't like flying with elytra over it then you know i, I guess it gives options for people uh i noticed i don't know if it's a bug or if it's intended or whether it'll be fixed we kind of have to wait for the next snapshot but when you're using the warped fungi on a stick or fungus on a stick uh, to direct the strider if you do that and press up against a row of blocks similar to how you would press a boat up against a row of blocks in an ice boat road to keep yourself aligned uh then you travel very fast yeah uh, across the surface of the lava to the point where i kind of feel like it's if it's going to be something that can be done it's probably going to be slowed down yeah i do get the feeling that it's unintentional and it would probably end up being removed 
Um, yes. Because yeah. I think the gameplay there is that the slower that you move across the lava, the more of a sitting duck you are for ghasts. Yeah. It's kind of the... Yeah. It, it's actually kind of fun trying to, like swat ghast fireballs back at them while riding on a strider and the striders will take damage if they get you know hurt in any way um yeah. obviously the player takes damage as well it's just like riding a horse effectively um yeah. your version of fun and mine are very different <laughs> yeah but then um <laughs> if, if if you end up like you can you can imagine these being used for little mini games it's like the floor is lava but that's not a problem unless <laughs> you know something happens to the strider itself and you can you can do some fun stuff with that i can imagine like obstacle courses made using them or something like that they also when you when you take them out of the lava they start to shiver as though like the lava is the thing that's keeping them warm and they're so adapted to that environment and you feel sort of bad for them when they're just kind of like shaking a little bit it's almost the same way you feel bad for piglins in the overworld when they're zombifying um yeah so so yeah there's there's a bit of character to them that i i really quite like um it's a nice it, touch yeah, and if you're not interested in riding striders across the ne the lava in the nether, I have some good news for you because people are already coming up with ways to make that new renewable basalt mechanic into automated bridging contraptions. Um, so what you do, as uh, Joel explained earlier, is you have lava flowing across soul soil with a block of blue ice adjacent to it. And it can be above it, it can be to the side of it, uh, but... All you need to do is rig this up to a slime block or honey block flying machine and you can effectively turn the surface of a lava lake in the nether into basalt and create this enormous bridge with a tileable contraption that would allow you to cross it very easily. Or you can rig this thing up like you would a cobblestone generator but instead of water on one side you have blue ice and pistons can move it around and you're able to create basalt that way personally really happy that we have renewable basalt and the community is kind of embracing basalt as a good framing block for builds uh since he doesn't have slab and stair variants it's not really usable for a huge amount else uh but it's good that we now have access to a lot of it because that was one of those things especially with a, a server with a community of builders on you can imagine those basalt pillars from the soul sand valleys going away very quickly otherwise very quickly yeah no i i agree yay more of a block with a texture that i don't like a very selfish <laughs> comment I, I i am half kidding i think this is a good it's a cool feature it's a cool way to add some fun functionality to basalt um, I do hope they change the texture down the road, but um, <clears throat> and I would and I would like to see if you're going to be able to get this much of it. Then to me, it does sort of point towards stairs and other you know, and slabs and other blocks in that in that variant. Like I I feel like if there's if you can get this much of it and only have it in block form and then polished form, it feels weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like this mechanic is kind of intended for, well, you're going to be using this in a bunch of ways. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So why do I have this much of it? So I, I'm, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that it that points in this direction. Uh, they also changed the recipe for polished. It's no longer something you smelt. I think you can craft it in like a four by four now. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense compared to all of the other stuff that you have to craft, like polished sandstone and stuff like that. And um, polished stuff, well... Smooth stone, smooth sandstone. You have to smelt. It's yeah. it's um it's granite, diorite, andesite. That's like that little four by four, you know, crafting thing that you yeah. can do to get them. Um, and so that's how basalt is made. It's, now. it's cut sandstone that you put in a four by four, isn't it? I, f I forget the terminology now because I don't really use sandstone as much. But yes, yeah, you're there, right. There is, you're right. Yeah, the one, the one that you, you 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 kind of craft yes. that way in the same way that you yeah. do stone brick. Yeah, um, it's the it's the new smooth sandstone in the last two versions. One version fourteen, I think it was for one fourteen. Uh, is the one that you have to smell. 
Yes. Um, so, speaking of other grey blocks that you can use, how about the lodestone? Uh, yet, yet another <laughs> thing to use my netherite ingots on instead of creating a full netherite beacon. I am being tested. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's a fun, it's a, it's a cool block. For a start, it looks very cool. It's kind of like a more intense version of chisel stone brick, which is what you use to craft it in the first place. Um, and... The functionality of it is really interesting to me because it works in any dimension, doesn't just have to be the nether. You build one, place it in the world, right-click on that with a compass. The compass gets the enchantment effect on it, which I still think is kind of too strong, like the flickering yep. purple is kind of overwhelming for me. But then it points to the lodestone and will do so until the lodestone is broken, at which point the compass will start to spin wildly the way compasses normally do in the nether. And for a start, finally, a way to make compasses point to something other than the world spawn point, a feature yep. which I think nobody has used since about Minecraft Beta 1.8. So <laughs> I think it's kind of nice for compasses to have a renewed purpose again. Oh, by the way, the other thing I meant to say about renewable basalt is like, I've talked about this previously, how um, campfires got new context added to them and a more interesting functionality when bees were added. I kind of feel that way about blue ice in those basalt makers now. It's super cool to have something recontextualized by a new update in that way and mm -hmm. and have more functionality, not less, because, I you agree. know, some of this stuff is used more. And, and that's where the compass comes in with this. It's nice to imagine people would actually use compasses for this stuff now, and you could put a lodestone at the center of your base and then hand out compasses to people and say instead of having the coordinates for my base we just pop down a lodestone here and here is the compass that's renamed you know pixorus's base follow that to find my base and you can do yep. that without the need for and, and it makes everything a little bit more immersive removes the reliance on coordinates that we've kind of gotten used to with the debug screen and i think those yep. will still be useful for a lot of other things like linking nether portals and so forth but I feel like it gives the player way more options for navigation now, which is super cool. Absolutely. And think about like the map makers that can take this feature and mm. apply it to adventures Run where you, yeah, you don't, you don't have coordinates or you're not supposed to, you know, you're just, you're just going to going off what's in the world, uh, problem solving, treasure hunting, you know, like that kind of stuff, uh, would be fantastic. And when you place the compass in a item frame, it maintains the direction. So it's yes. basically a arrow, an arrow on a signpost. Yeah, first, like thing, rather first than, thing I tried yeah. when I when I was messing around with lodestones earlier was yeah. put it in an item frame and have it just point down yeah. the tunnel for my nether hub to like yeah. go this way kind of thing. Go this way. Uh, it doesn't work currently if the item frame is horizontal, like on a flat surface. Yeah. I'm assuming that's a bug and they're probably gonna fix that. Because uh, it does work on a, uh, pic like a picture frame on a wall uh, item yes. frame if you yeah. put it uh, vertically that way it does point the problem is vertically it does it does take a little bit of a spatial translation to figure out that you know 10 o'clock when it's on a vertical plane is essentially like you know for the sake of a better uh, uh, lack of a better argument um northwest you know yeah. like you have yeah, to yeah. kind of like flatten it down and think about where that points but if you had it on like a fancy pedestal you know uh, again, wish we could do something different with item frames where they weren't always visible. You can with it with um, I think uh, map builders can do that, but not in survival. Um, but like to have this compass on this pedestal in the middle of a room, pointing you know just off to the left or just off to the right to say go that way, uh, like that that to me is is really 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 cool. It just again 
creates more in-game immersion that I that I really like. And um, if people don't like the enchantment glint, it's very easy to remove in your texture yes. pack. You could just make that file all black and it just removes it completely. I, I can see uh, myself modifying that in future yeah. very, very easily. It's one of the things I've been considering doing already yeah. at this point. You can also... Um, you can also just change it because it's basically just uh, an alpha thing. So yeah. you can change the pattern in it. You can also just change the transparency. So if black is not your, because if removing it entirely is not good, you want to see what's enchanted. You could make it just a dark gray and you'd still see like a little bit of a color. Yeah. It just depends on, on how you want to do it. Yeah, but the lodestone also looks super cool. And while it is an expensive block, I don't see people building a huge amount with it. It is another sort of stone-colored block in, in the same yeah. way that regular stone is right now, but yet another block that you can add in for an element of detail in stone yeah. constructions and stuff like that. So yeah. looking forward to seeing how the building community gets hold of that as well. Yeah, I'm not really thrilled about the color, but I, you know, it, it, considering how specific it is with its pattern and design, um, then... I can, I you know, I'll forgive it, but like it is, it's one of those things. Like you could have made this really dark, yes. <laughs> or you could have made it really light. Uh, but um, the depth of the texture on it, uh, I'm not sure what's different about this one, but boy, does it look cool. Like yeah. in terms of when you look at a chiseled stone brick, you think, yeah, it's a chiseled stone brick. It's got like a target type pattern on it, and you can sort of imagine the depth. This one, you can actually see the depth. Like when you look at it from an angle, it really does not look like a flat surface. Mm-hmm great texture okay so speaking of building we have our chunk mail here by the way uh, our new email address is something i should restate for those folks who uh didn't listen on the last episode or maybe uh, have been listening back to old episodes and are only just catching up our email address has changed the new one is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com so please send your emails there from now on um this is this one comes in from liam g also known as will the x star 14 uh, and it's about planning building scale it says, hi, Johnny and Joel. I am planning building out for a Native American village out in a tiger biome, and I am trying to make a longhouse where the community would meet and have big events like a harvest dinner and such. This, for me, would be like Founders Forge 2 from the Survival Guide series, my Survival Guide series, uh, because I already have uh, built a medieval city like Johnny has, and I'm wondering... What do you think is better, building big and having more room to detail and making things more visible, or building small and thinking about what blocks or items, such as item frames, lanterns, stairs, slabs inside and out, to set the scene in a realistic scale? Uh, love the podcast, and I too am taking inspiration from both of you in my single-player world. Your fellow Minecrafter, Liam. Thank you so much, Liam, for the email. Very, very cool. Um, I like the sound of this build, and I'm glad your questions was not about how to work with this build style specifically, because it's something I feel profoundly uneducated in. Um, but as far as player scale goes, I, I prefer building on player scale, and the reason being we can't necessarily reproduce realistic scale in Minecraft, and this is something I've talked about recently with building these mountains, but the mountains are only 256 meters high, which in the real world does not qualify as a mountain when you consider that, yeah, my my basic example, Kilimanjaro, it would be like 8,000 blocks tall in Minecraft. Um, but yeah, it, it really depends. When you get to the kind of granular quality of, of builds like this, you really don't find a lot of stuff that you can use for detail without... Imp it's a lot of stuff that's implied without actually being there and using your imagination to fill in the gaps where the minecraft block palettes will not necessarily provide stuff the amount of stuff i've seen people use flower pots for over the years <laughs> is kind of ludicrous uh so personally i kind of like building with player scale just because 
it feels more realistic for you walking around it. However, if the goal that you have in mind is not to necessarily walk around it too much, but to take pictures of the inside and share them with people or to see it from the outside more frequently, I find that adopting a slightly larger build style is going to mean that you get to do a bit more with the materials that you're working with. And I'm not sure what scale you're working on for the longhouse in particular, but I think it might be an opportunity to build a little bit bigger than you think, and you can always bring the walls in in the interior if the interior still needs to feel player scale. So for me, I find that you can kind of bridge a gap here. You can do player scale, which I also prefer. Uh, we talk a lot about you know controlling the gaze of the player, like you're designing a level that someone's going to walk through. Uh, and I think it's important for people to be able to visually identify buildings. The problem therein is that if you build things proper to scale all the way throughout, it becomes really difficult to discern what building is which. You know, like a a house with a regular size roof and a long house with a regular size roof, as it would have in real life, would be difficult to discern from one from the other, depending on which angle you're looking at it. However, something I picked up from playing on the realm of Vastin and watching some of the players there is that very often the stuff at ground level would be player scale, but the roofs would very often be what I would call Minecraft scale, which yeah. is just a little bit bigger. I want to say it's like a, an additional 25 or 30% bigger. The reason for that is because in order to do any kind of curve or any kind of like detail, something that would differentiate your house from your neighbor's house or your neighbor's hotel or inn or something, is that ability to add different structures, different textures, um, and, a, and, a, and a more of a, a curve line or a different line than your other roof lines and that requires more room in minecraft and so something that i've been doing uh with my city build and i'll reference you to this weekend sunday on twitch i did the planning for this uh, skyscraper that i mentioned at the top of the show and i say skyscraper it's an eight floor apartment building it still feels really big in minecraft because it's quite tall but it's it's only eight floors so you think about a building in your neighborhood that's eight floors tall like that's kind of where i am um but the decisions that I was making were things like, uh, I, like to, I like to say like, you're thinking about it, what it looks like in real life and what the scale would be. And then in Minecraft, you stick a straw into the side of it and you kind of blow on it and the whole thing kind of goes boom and gets fatter. <laughs> it inflates a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it does that in a way that allows you more creativity. It sucks when you're building something and you realize that your inside walls have to be the same color as your outside walls if you don't want that. So I have to consider two meter thick walls. Walls in real life are not even a meter thick half yes. the time. Yeah, yeah. You're, so, you're, not, you're not walking through a two meter doorway yeah. when you get into your house, right? So that kind of confuses your brain a little bit, but you then have to think, okay, well, this is what it looks like in real life, or this is what it is designed to be measured like in real life. But then when I'm walking through the game, when I walk through a one meter wide wall in the game that has a doorway in it, it does not feel like I'm walking through a meter, right? It feels like I'm walking through roughly a doorframe. Uh, it, it feels chunkier than the doorframes in my apartment, but it doesn't feel weird in Minecraft. So you kind of have to say, okay, well, this is what it looks like in real life. These are the measurements, but how does it feel in, in game? So when I was building the roads in, in the Minecraft city, uh, I think it was Geekwalk in my chat looked up how long a dashed line is on a road. Turns out it's um, 10 feet. 
uh, and then how long is the distance between a dashed line on a road? And it's 30 feet. So in Minecraft terms, that's roughly three blocks for the, the dashed line and then nine blocks for the space in between. It's not quite the exact same measurements, but it's about right. And we tried a bunch of different things. I tried two and seven. I tried three and five. I tried, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it turns out that the real world measurements felt right when I got into creative mode and flew down the street at roughly the speed a car would be. Now, I've been driving for a number of years, so I know what it feels like to have those dashed lines fly by you on the road. And it felt about right. Uh, same thing with the width of the road. To me, building the roads, I thought, man, these things feel huge. Like they are 12 or 15 or 17 meters wide. This feels ginormous. The roads are not this big. But in player scale, walking across the road on a sidewalk, not running, just kind of like regular walking, didn't take forever. And that's kind of where I started to think, okay, well, it feels right. So when I was building the, the skyscrapers, I was doing the same thing. I was accounting for inside and outside walls, so it's too thick. Uh, I was accounting for um, how much space is left inside. And for your longhouse, I would suggest working from the inside out first, not in a final build, but just rough, rough things out. Put a block down where you think there's going to be a chair, put a couple blocks down where you think there's going to be a table, give yourself some space to walk around that, give yourself a couple thick walls for some details, and then figure out where you are. You know, like, are you looking at something that's 13 blocks wide or does it need to be 21? Uh, just kind of work out how it feels and give yourself enough room when you're trying to do stuff like this in Minecraft that doesn't necessarily have a lot of that re would require a lot of sub blocks for details. You're going to feel pretty cramped if you've got a really good looking build outside, but your inside is five by seven. You're like, well, I, I don't know what to do in here because yeah. I, you know, I turn around and I bump into things, you know, like when I put down uh, tables and chairs in the apartments in the city and I go to turn around and do something, it felt cramped and I don't have two meters between couches and chairs in my real apartment here in, in real life. But in Minecraft, it felt cramped. So I increased it. I made it two meters and it felt better as a player. You weren't bumping into things. Yeah. And so you, there's a little bit of, bit of a give and go for that. Um, so, so I would say inside out, start inside out, um, go a little bit bigger uh, as you go vertical. Um, think about those like top-down games. Um, we mentioned Warcraft in, in the Render Distance pre-show. Uh, those old RTS games, those isometric views when you look down, half the time you can't see the bottom floor. It's mostly the roof that identifies to you as a player as to what that is. So building bigger a little bit vertically will give you that kind of like silhouette that's very identifiable. Yeah. I, that's kind of where my feedback would go, Johnny. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, only something that kind of puts a bit more context to what you were saying where like if you're walking through a two block thick door it doesn't really feel like all that much i i did a quick google and i looked for the, the walking speed of a minecraft player compared to the walking speed of the average person oh and nice it's, it's three times faster because the average oh. the average oh. human walking speed is about 1.4 meters per second this is just according to the wikipedia article about walking uh and the minecraft regular walking speed is 4.3 meters per second so that's nearly three times as fast uh, in fact i think it is three times as fast plus a little bit extra and if you're sprinting it ups to 5.6 meters per second so your minecraft avatar is walking around three times faster than you would in the real world not to mention the fact that aside from um 
console players who are working with analog sticks and maybe you know if a pc player was holding down shift to sneak and move a little bit slower you can't really vary that walking speed all that much it's either full on or it's off basically so you're always going to be walking around three times faster than the average person the scenery around you is going to be moving faster and that's not even counting modes of transport like minecarts or flying or whatever so yeah you have to think with that in mind and realistically then in order to cross the room in the same way that you would cross the room in the real world assuming that you were walking at the average walking pace which in your home you probably wouldn't be you would have to make the room three times as wide basically and that's right. not necessarily something i would suggest because that starts to you know up the scale up the amount of materials you need to put in your build that kind of thing and it doesn't necessarily feel as realistic when you're just looking around but that might explain why the scale of minecraft feels a little bit off when you are trying to equate everything to real world stuff it's because your player moves so much faster than the average person does and that brings up something that i did not think about before the show and that is your point of view uh real world point of view your human eye is closer to the 55 setting in minecraft as far as a lens is concerned mm -hmm. the normal setting in minecraft is 70 so you're seeing more in minecraft than you really take in i mean peripheral vision aside but what you can focus on in front of you it's different and yeah it's like that for a reason because if you switch it down to 55 and play like that it feels like the entire world is on the tip of your nose yeah. in minecraft <laughs> and i noticed a lot of players especially some older um, FPS people when they come over to Minecraft they play in a much wider point of view which makes me seasick so if you're playing at a much wider angle things are going to look very different so just think about what that might look like um, I know that a lot of times uh, and it's a great tip for screenshots too if you want something that feels a little bit more down to earth change your viewing angle down to like 55 or 50 for a screenshot and it feels a lot more like a, a regular camera like a point and shoot i feel like um, one of these days we need to do an episode that's just you giving advice for how to take screenshots because <laughs> I, I i think that would be a really interesting topic uh yeah let, let us know write in if you, if you want joel to uh or, or tweet us at the spawn chunks if you want joel to do an episode about screenshots because i think that'd be be fascinating with your artist sure eye. good luck liam yeah let's spin that out into our main topic for this week it sounds like liam has a pretty solid build project in mind but some of you at home especially if you're now stuck indoors thanks to all of the stuff that's going on in the world right now might be searching for build inspiration or project ideas because we've done an episode about build inspiration and and where to find you know resources to help you with you know ideas for specific builds but i thought it'd be good to brainstorm a few ideas about what to do in minecraft if you're not really sure if you if you're just kind of spinning your wheels if you're just collecting resources and thinking what on earth am i going to spend all of this on why am i here in the first place um and so if you're feeling stuck here are a couple of things that we have collected as ideas i guess we can like alternate a little bit here uh starting with my default answer which is collect every block and item in the game and build a museum for all of them <laughs> and this is a long-term goal for the survival guide as well so it's something that i'm going to be doing relatively soon probably once i've finished building these mountains but um I like the idea of effectively encouraging people to explore everything the game has to offer. Uh, you've got exploration, collecting items, trading, boss fights. Uh, there's some stuff that you can only find as loot, so go on a quest for that enchanted golden apple. Um, and then find a place to display it all as though, you know, here is my achievement kind of thing. And you can go as big and bold or as small as you like. I personally plan to do 
effectively what a museum does which is provide things like interactive exhibits and stuff i want people to be able to like open up a chest to see a collection of items and and browse through a library of books i want people to be able to go into a working redstone exhibit where there's maybe like a rube goldberg machine style setup that goes all the way around the room explaining how redstone works but you can just you know get a bunch of item frames together or pull a bunch of chests and collect one of everything if not more um, and I think that's a, a kind of fun long-term objective that keeps you thinking about what you want to do next, leading towards that as the end goal. One of the things that I like to do is uh, move to a different area. One of the things that I've got going on in the Citadel, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, is different build zones. We don't know what to call them yet, but essentially we've got our starting area that I call Dartmouth Meadows, and that's what I call quote unquote Minecraft style, where just everybody's kind of like building to survive. Somebody's got a modern house, somebody's got a log cabin, but because they're all made from Minecraft blocks, they tend to kind of jive together. No one's doing any like sci-fi build in the middle of the Dartmouth Meadows. And there are a couple of old medieval style things, but they just look like they've been there for a while. Like nothing really feels too out of place. Um, but in the new build zones, we have very specific themes. So as a player on the server comes to the modern city area, they're asked to build in a modern style, uh, vice versa. The fantasy medieval area, people are gonna be asked to build like elven castles and you know dwarven mines and all that kind of stuff. So we've got a number of ideas, including uh, Asia Pacific. We've got a sci-fi idea from Mushroom Island. We've got uh, steampunk in a mesa we've got a, a western area and another mesa none of these have anything placed in them by the way these are just spitballed ideas that the server thought would be a kind of a fun way to do it and i wanted to do it personally because um when i'm done working on like a big redstone farm i'm kind of done with the technical stuff i kind of want to do something creative and fun and uh i go and i start the modern city and i find that that has really helped me creatively um I, as a designer, am a problem solver. It's one of the things I really like about what I do. Um, getting out of your wheelhouse, getting out of your comfort zone, something that requires research, planning, and learning. Uh, it will, if you're looking for something to do while you're at home these days, uh, add to the number of things and add to the number of things that just that don't require just more time in Minecraft, right? They require maybe some Pinterest research for visual inspiration. Maybe you have to look up city planning and find out how that works. You know, uh, how big is a road? How many roads? What are the different city zones? What do you have to think about? These are all things that I've had to take a refresher course on in building my city. And it's been cool because I've been learning a little bit more, feeling like it's stuff I should probably know about life in general. And I find that it's fun to then see something in real life know the rules around it, and then figure out for my own purposes how to translate that into Minecraft. And that goes for the modern city. It goes for medieval stuff. You could look up history. You can find out how and why and where castles were built and then try to find some place in Minecraft that you could do something like that. There's a whole bunch of th stuff that you could do if you kind of get out of your comfort zone of just building yet another redstone farm or another medieval wall that you've done before. Do something that is really uncomfortable uh, it's hard at first. I'm not saying it's an easy trigger to pull, but once you're in there, if you do like it, then you'll start to go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, I like this and I'm learning more and it's trying to, it's unfolding and it's new. And I find that once you get that new bug, you'll be in it 
yeah yeah definitely uh worth trying and i think there are so many different ways to play minecraft at this point with it being a 10 year old game and growing that there is scope for all kinds of ways to challenge yourself in this game whether it's exploring stuff that you've never really tried before like redstone you want to learn automation you want to try terraforming adopt a new build style that kind of stuff but beyond that there are even different game modes that can be found either within minecraft itself or within the community that are a really fun challenge take for example skyblock which joel and i have both been playing recently right. uh, uh m m me more than you i think now that you're back yes. kind of uh, on the citadel with this modern city project but i'm continuing my skyblock adventure and having a lot of fun recontextualizing what i know about minecraft in the sky and with the void all around me and doing some some fun technical farms but also i recently raided a woodland mansion and so that's kind of weird considering that if a creeper blows me up on the bottom floor i might just fall out into the sky um it, it's it's a really fun challenge and that's worth recommending beyond that you have community maps you have the idea of super flat survival where you generate a super flat minecraft world just using the settings that are present in the game already and then you try and survive based on the fact that not a great deal of terrain generates there. You have to find saplings from villages if you want wood or just steal wood from the farm constructs that they have there or their houses. You can only really get cobblestone by taking down village houses. And so you kind of develop a culture around trading what you can farm there, what you have to figure out yourself. And then you go to the nether. Is that super flat too? I can't remember if it does that by default, but still. In a, in a super flat world, can you set it so that it's not just like two layers? Like, can you actually have like 64 down to bedrock Yes, if you know what you're doing, you can customize the layers of the world to basically whatever you need. Yeah, so you right. could set that up. On the default setting, it gives you, I think, four layers of dirt and then bedrock. Uh, but, um, if does, you... it, does it give you any kind of like caving system if you do that or is it all just solid it's all just solid but then the um oh. the, the the way you can set things up there are also preset worlds uh which is something else i was going to go on to there are things like uh cave world settings and uh floating island settings that you can assign different biomes to or just have all of the default biomes in the game and that will generate a world like you've never seen before and can create some really interesting survival um situations you can also uh, yeah find community maps out there there are adventure maps there are challenge maps things like complete the monument things where the idea is to go through a bunch of different challenges to collect all these different types of wool um diversity three is a map like that that is one of the the kind of most anticipated maps that came out fairly recently and is is worth a playthrough. i think you can play that one with friends as well some of them are intended for a more single player experience but some of them you can collaborate on um mm. if you want more fun ways to play survival uh go vegan try not using anything animal wise or eating animal based food um try playing hardcore and see if you can survive with only one life on the flip side go peaceful use minecraft for a bit of stress relief which i think we could all use right now and embrace the challenge of acquiring resources that re rely on hostile mob drops in a different way. You're finding gunpowder in village chests and the nether and desert temples and stuff like that at that point. And, and it becomes interesting what is then scarce as a result of playing on Peaceful when you can't just go and make a creeper farm somewhere. So yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of different ways to play this game that if you are stuck for something to do right now, really might be worth a try. And I would I would say play with friends. Yes, um, I've absolutely. really been enjoying the uh, increased activity uh, from a couple of other players on the Citadel, and um, 
I'm going to try to take my own advice. I've not done this and I should do it more. I think partly because I stream, like as a content creator and as a streamer, you tend to not feel quite as lonely playing Minecraft by yourself because you've got a whole chat room. Uh, very often you'll have someone who is, uh, for example, Alistair was online yesterday uh, while I was streaming, but he was listening to the stream. So I didn't have to type to him. He could just type to me, but he could listen to what I was saying. Um, but go on audio. Uh, now this comes with an asterisk of make sure that if you're young, you've got your parents' permission to connect, you know, with whatever um, VoIP system you're using. And if you're going to be online, make sure you do it safely. But if you're an adult playing Minecraft and you just want to play and pass the time, uh, get on, you know, get a Discord room going with a couple of other server mates and stop typing to one another. Um, <clears throat> One of the things that I've noticed that's been happening to me recently is a number of friends are calling instead of texting just to say hi, uh, which is great. It's something that we should do more often. And I think that translates into Minecraft multiplayer play where you're very often typing in the Minecraft chat. Uh, if you have the ability to get on a voice call uh, with a decent you know, mic setup or something like that, then do it because it, it can be quite fun. Um, and also look for other Minecraft communities. I know that our Discord uh, community is hopping. There's lots of people talking about snapshots and Minecrafts and building techniques and Redstone stuff. And uh, it crosses Bedrock and Java as well. So there are other ways to kind of like get some inspiration if you're feeling stuck. You know, other people have lots of ideas that they don't have time to do, but that doesn't mean that you can't borrow slash get inspired by their ideas. Uh, and uh, I will point you to a couple of other references, uh, which I've mentioned in the render distance as well. But on the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast, we've had two recent episodes that focused a lot on lore, world building, and kind of like the reason for doing creative stuff. And uh, TCC episode 351 uh, is on world building. And uh, TCC episode 354, which has Johnny on it as well, uh, is about Dungeons and Dragons. And a good portion of that, when not talking about the technical side of Dungeons and Dragons, is talking about like story, world building, decision making. And I find that all of that kind of folds over into Minecraft and can be very inspiring. I think that's probably where we'll wrap up this episode of the Spawn Chunks, folks. If you have some interesting projects that you'd like to share with people as kind of a resource for them to try out some new stuff while we are all trapped indoors playing a little bit more Minecraft, then you can send them to the email address, which Joel will have for you in a moment. But for now, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me. The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and gets us closer to our next milestone goals we're currently at 165 patrons holding steady from last week and there's always room for more special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski greener canuck jd williamson and yitz for your support on this episode thank you guys sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spun chunks on twitter and instagram but personal recommendations are by far the best way to support the show you can just talk to a friend you know wave at them from across the street or get on uh, minecraft chat and, and tell them about the spun chunks and let them know that there's a cool minecraft podcast out there that they might be able to get some inspiration from you can email the show with a new email address which is spawn chunk mail at gmail.com subscribe on itunes android stitcher spotify and you can also find us on youtube we're very easy to find just look for the spun chunks wherever you want to listen to things the rss feed is linked on the the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and that is where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast 
My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch. The last two of our mountain building streams will be going up later this week, so I hope you guys look out for those. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you are interested in hiring me there, just drop me a line. The Citadel Cafe, which I mentioned earlier in the show, is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. That's at thecitadelcafe.com or by name, wherever you find your podcasts. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on all social media. Today, I will point you, of course, towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I am playing Minecraft, building a modern city, and throwing in the odd satisfactory stream in there, too. So if you're looking for something else to watch, check it out, twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Hi-ho, Striders! Away! Away! <laughs>